You are listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM and streaming online at kboo.fm. You are listening to KBOO Community Radio, and we're in our annual spring membership drive. You can help us meet our $56,000 goal by going to kboo.fm slash give to make a contribution today. All donations will be matched up to $12,000 thanks to a generous group of anonymous donors. KBOO's independent programming is only possible with your support. Give now at kboo.fm slash give. Welcome to the Talking Earth here on KBU. I'm your host, Dan Raphael. Our three featured poets tonight are Emmett Wheatfall, Mark Sargent, and Mike G. Uh, and a special bonus, this is KBU Spring Drive. We are non-commercial, 24-7 community-powered radio, but we still have bills to pay. Please show your support for the Talking Earth and all our other fine programs by going to kboo.fm and clicking on the 2022 Spring Drive at the top of the page to see the various ways you can give us some of your money. Also, tomorrow's Election Day, so I hope you voted. Well, if you haven't, you can still drop off your ballot at the uh, elections board, at the library, at, at any recognized drop box. But it's good to vote because it's, yeah, we're not given much chance by the government to tell them anything these days. But let's get on to the poetry, which is, which is why we're here. First up is Emmett Wheatfall. He lives in Portland where he reads, writes, records, publishes, and performs poetry. Fernwood Press, an imprint of Barclay Press, has published two books of Emmett's. His collections titled As Clean as a Bone came out in May 2018 through Fernwood Press. Uh, that book won a 2019 Hoffer Award finalist, as well as a Da Vinci Eye Award finalist. Our Scarlet Blue Wounds is his latest collection and was published November 2019. For more biographical and other poetical information, you can visit EmmettWeedfall.com. And here's Mr. Weedfall. Whatever you are. All right. Well, Dan, I want to thank you so much for this um, gracious opportunity to uh, come and read for Talking Earth uh, and KBU. I'm a big fan of KBU, and I'm familiar with Talking Earth. Um, I thematically wanted to share um, some prose poems, some prose poems on the crisis um, in Ukraine. Um, most of us, if we're paying any kind of attention to what's happening in the world today, know uh, that the Ukrainian people are under such oppression, uh, bombardment. And um, I have a little saying that I coined a number of years ago. <clears throat> and that, um, that phrase is, is that we poets are the secular uh, prophets in our societies. And the reason why I say that is because we're living in a day where uh, it seems as if people are not really listening to our political leaders. Um, um, our religious leaders are not being heard as much as they used to. But throughout the dispensations of time, poets, poets have been the ones that have spoken in every kind of crisis um, known to humanity. And so I was just inspired to be able to write some prose poems <clears throat> about the crisis in Ukraine. And I'm going to start with the first poem that I'd like to share. Um, oftentimes we uh, know what's happening in a country or in a crisis by journalists, photojournalists. And I saw a news clip uh, of an interview with a photojournalist who was talking about the trauma that she is experiencing from years of photographing uh, in war zones and, and places where there's conflict and loss of life. And so this poem um, I titled, after having viewed that interview, is The Brave Woman Behind the Image. 
the brave woman behind the image. Click, 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 click. She shudders at every shutter of her weather-worn digital camera. Even a photojournalist's eyes are not meant to see these images, but they are there, right there in front of her. With every click, a passing moment is captured in real time. Beauty and pain share separate frames. Life and death are captured in each image. The brave woman behind the image never gets over the contradictions. Everyone thinks she's brave. She's not. She shoots the shot with her weaponless weapon. Often and under dire circumstance, she will stand, bend, kneel, lie on the ground for the image that will someday capture a viewer's imagination. Periodicals and journals will posit digital images on published covers and somewhere on a designated page captioning a compelling narrative. A Pulitzer Prize may be in the offering given the stunning nature of the image. More importantly, the world needs to see the unseeable. Click, 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 click. She shudders at every shutter of her weather-worn digital camera. This is the brave woman behind the image. And so we get an opportunity through um, the camera lens through the eyes of a photojournalist to look at what happens tragically around the world. Um, it's pretty fascinating um, as I watch this play out on the world stage, uh, just the contradictions that are coming between family members. You know, mothers and fathers who are not believing their children that are saying this is happening in Ukraine and they're trying to tell them, no, I'm here, I'm in the midst of it. Here is um, an epigraph for my next poem. The epigraph is, my father does not believe me, Ukrainian restaurant owner. The poem is titled, My Father Living in Russia. My father living in Russia. An evil man's army drops bombs on me and my Ukrainian neighbors around me. My father living in Russia does not believe me. He trusts Russian state media far more than me. This precedent engulfs and bewilders me. I can't convince him to the contrary. Maybe his eight-month-old grandson will live to convince him. Hopefully, he will have asked him, why did the evil man, why didn't the evil man love our children too? My father living in Russia. There is really nothing more tragic and unsettling to humans is when a person dies. And oftentimes when a person dies, we want to know the circumstance of their passing. Was it something medical? Was it something related to uh, violence? What was the manner of the manner of passing or the manner of death? And we're seeing a lot of that now. Um, we're seeing innocent civilians uh, being killed. You know, sometimes, um, you know, we've developed words like collateral damage as if people were buildings and property. These are human lives. And so when thinking about the, the Ukraine crisis, I have an epigraph for this point too, quite a few epigraphs. 
for this reading, but the epigraph is attributed to Herbert Hoover in 1944. And the epigraph reads as this, older men declare war, but it is youth that must fight and die. Mm. Mm. The poem is titled, Beside the Road, Beside the Road. Beside the road lie dead men, one soldier, the other a citizen soldier, one Russian, the other Ukrainian. Mother, mother, where is father? Father, where is uncle? Frostbitten and forgotten, brittle, brittle, like petrified wood. Facial expressions petrified in death. Resting ground contentious. Their war is over, but not the war. It was never their war. It's Putin's war. It's Putin's war. Pointed title beside the road. Beside the road. Many of us, um, um, as we watch this, we're trying to distinguish between who's who and who's what. And one of the major things that came out early in our viewing of what's happening over there was that on military vehicles that belong to the Russians uh, or belong to Putin and his efforts was the, um, was the letter Z. The letter Z is painted on the side of tanks, and that's how we're able to distinguish between whose military vehicles is whose. And so I wrote a poem called Z. Z. Mama, they killed me. Why are they killing us, Papa? I am dead. You are dead. We are dead. I sorrow today, for I will not know tomorrow. Earth has descended upon me. It yields a burial site for me. I am bound to this grave. No grave robbers will come. My future has been taken from me. Mama, Papa, even though I look up, the stars above will never see me. Dirt obscures me. Tender shoots out of dry ground will spring up. I want to rise with them. The earth says no. The earth will not let go. They have killed me, Mama. Why are they killing us, Papa? I am dead. You are dead. We are dead. It is the letter Z, my child. It is him, her, them, and they who are the letter Z, my son. Earth has descended upon me. What has really come to light um, is the disregard for the value of the life of children. Infants uh, have been moved to uh, converted basements that are now bunkers, and, and the shelling has taken the life of infants, children who will not ever grow up to see the life uh, from the birth that was given them. Young adolescents um, uh, are being killed from these explosions, and so, um, that really disturbed me, the killing of children. There's just no moral regard for the sanctity uh, of the life of children. Kay Ryan is one of the great, great poets, and she has a quote that I really like. And I use this as an epigraph for this poem. And Kay Ryan, anybody who knows poetry knows who she is. Um, her quote is, pajamas are the uniforms of poets. 
pajamas are the uniforms of poets. I love this poem. To clutch a graham cracker is what the child will do. Let the child do so before the world ends. Before men in uniforms storm the child's home, kill her father, and rape her mother, then make themselves sandwiches and drink ice-cold milk. Men whose nationalism runs deep, whose aggression is instigated by the falsely aggrieved as their head of state dines from the finest of porcelain and sips from a white teacup. Chess pieces. Ponds, seas, geographic territory, part and parcel to a neighboring state where the rebuttal is go F yourself. The child will cry, she too being aggrieved. She will not be appeased. If the graham cracker clutching child lives to grow up, she will avenge her adversaries. Merciless will be her retribution for pajamas are the uniforms of poets. I have a, I have a poem that's not really consistent with the themes that, that, that I've been um, reading about in, from a post uh, prose standpoint, not spoken word or traditional rhyme. These were just prose poems. But this is a little different, and I want to encourage every poet, I want to encourage every poet, every person who aspires to be a poet, this is for the new poet, for the new poet. Never frame an unwritten poem. Do not mount it in a gallery for viewing. See it on the canvas first. Bring to mind the baking of bread. Yeast always takes time to rise. Be mindful of what's to come. Hang it on the wall of your imagination. Let the unwritten poem settle there. Then place its recipe on the canvas. Invite the world to view it. Pass this advice on to the new poet. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Emmett. Now I'm gonna uh, read you a poem by Lisa Wells. The book's called The Fix. Uh, Lisa, poet, uh, nonfiction writer, does many things, used to live in Portland, Seattle, Arizona. Don't know where she is now, but this poem is called Cain Flees. I think it's based on a etching by William Blake, and it has the uh, anagram. The accuser hath entered into me as into his house, William Blake. Cain Flees. Like phantom limbs, we've learned the source of the inner voice. Is it in its signal? Bantam song whispered in an upper chamber while dinner resumes below? One white plate heaped with peas, one untouched gravy-smothered cutlet is conspicuously whistled from the table. Strike a tuning fork to cancel voices no one else can hear. Pure tone quakes from prong to cranium, trips the neurochemical glitch. If these transients rise oracular at their bench, if they slur against your cower, remember when you're sore afraid, even the prophets piss their shifts. No lightning strikes this deep in the field, no tremor of bone or cochlea. As for sight, Blake's painting sears in inner drum-da-dums. If it is Cain who strives from Abel's corpse, hands against his temple to stub the mother's howl, though the howl is in his house, don't mistake him for your brother. You are the stony garden where sooty clouds slide by and sun leaks into the firmaments. You're the trembling flame that fevered the flesh of Teresa of Villa, secret informitis, and the slain infant in the mother's womb. If the voice says you'll lie in the indelible peace of a slaughtered dog, 
take her at her word. If she says, jump, bitch, comply. If she says, flee, that's Lisa Wells. Yeah, the former Portlander, another former Portlander. Well, wait, where else in Portland are you going to hear fine poetry like what I read, what Emmett read? It's it's Kabu's annual spring drive. And while I love having your attention, that doesn't pay the bills, the electricity. Check out the website at kabu.fm and click on the 2020 spring drive. And now another former Portland poet, Mark Sargent. You, you could hear him on the streets and in the bars of Portland, but he moved to Greece 30 years ago. Mark Sargent is the author of around 20 books of poetry and three novels. Mark lives outside Sparty in a house he designed and built himself with his wife, two dogs, and four to seven cats. When not writing, Mark travels the world, tends his olive trees, reads books and magazines, drinks with dangerous people, and plays cosmic saxophone. Mark Sargent. Right, this is... Uh... It's been a long time since I've been on uh, Talking Earth. Um, the first time was 1975. 1975, yes. I had just returned to Portland and I looked in the Scribe, which was the alternative newspaper of the day. Uh, that dates you if you know the Scribe, I suppose. But anyway, saw a little open mic reading. It was at the Questing Beast Palace, which was a a bar and performance space at uh, on 28th and Stark. And so I showed up with my two or three little poems. I wasn't writing a lot of poetry at, the, at that time yet, but uh, anyway, and went in and who of course was hosting, but Walt Curtis. And uh, so I did my little bit and Walt invites me on the air. And so just days later, we went to the cable was on this little dilapidated building on 30th and Belmont, something like that. It was this, the building was the size of just a cheap, crappy old mobile home, single, single wide, whatever. Yeah, and Walt and I, I never even saw the engineer. Nobody else was at the place. We sat in a little room and drank a couple quarts of cheap beer and smoked some cigarettes. And we did this little thing, this little interview, Talking Earth, good Lord. So, and here I am again. I don't live here, I live in Greece, but uh, I moved there 32 years ago. And uh, yeah, there, there I am. Here's a little poem. Uh, it's a post-lung uh, surgery uh, poem. Getting, you know, getting a little of that cancer shit out of there, you know, because uh, you don't want that to stay around. It's called Greeting New Old Friends. Through the pre-blossomed olive groves, I slow gate the healing walk. Summoned by the sun and spring rain, old friends rise from the earth. Tiny star specks to big petaled glory. Some names I know, many I don't yet. We welcome each other as Laconian countrymen do. Briefest reverse nod back tilt of the head. All are working, save me, the only one walking, sucking more than my share of the bird-loud air. Okay, so, I also have lots of animals around my place, domesticated ones and some wild ones. Wild boars, I got a lot of wild boars that are roaming the landscape, digging shit up. But uh, here I got a little poem about my cats. Got lots of cats. Dan knows my cats. He was feeding them. This one's entitled, uh, There Are Only So Many Leaps in a Cat. Paw pierced and tangled, she cried her most human lamentation. Tuned to the mammal in us, forever vigilant for dependent young, that wail arrives through the skin as well as by sonic vibration. We rise from the, our seats to see. Seized within twists of thorny bougainvillea, Fortuna cried like the infant she is. We talk reassuringly. Breathe, kitty, I can do this. 
Jesus, fuck, how did you do that? On stomach, I reached through wrought iron and dense, thorny vine to her predicament, placed one hand beneath her for comfort, and with the other pushed the punishing vines apart. Released, she sprints away to the others. They get caught in human contraption or by creatures larger and ill-tempered. If you live with them, you'll get a chance to save their lives. That's how it works. Emily Want meanders about the house, ancient, deaf, smashed ear, broken tail, the wounds of a wild life, and senile. Saved her from strangulation once. Now she can't remember that she pisses outdoors and squats over a salad bowl instead. Even my mother didn't do that. <laughs> so, if there's a judgment day, I hope the jury is made up of different species. Makes sense, well, as much as any afterlife scenario. If they seat cats, I'm sure to be acquitted, allowed entrance, given a cushion to sit on. But what if my mother's on that jury? I'm prepared for that. It got a laugh, Mom. It did? Well, okay then. Nothing is harder than comedy. So, let's see. Oh, keep on the animal theme here for a moment because I do like them. Uh, the heat in Greece is getting worse and worse, like, just like everywhere else, I guess, I suppose. And uh, we have heat waves where, you know, daily for many days, it's, uh, well, it's like 40, which is about 105, 106, something like that. And then it doesn't drop down very low either. It drops down to, you know, 90 or 88 or something. Anyway, so I have a set of, uh, of three poems here. Uh, entitled Taming Cohabitating Creatures During a Heat Wave. One. Relax, beast. I know you can do it. All I need is a, is a bit of encouragement. And most times, not even that. I'm the same. You don't really need to know the rules. Maybe they don't apply anymore. Deploy your airbags and find out. Accept all imitations. They smack down praise. They tread upon and dampen the lie of originality. That ward out hero whore in hot pants working the shabby corner of your imagination. You can't get no imagination. That lockdown country, that mid-century Albania metal mine banging on tin cans in the alley. Try to sing over that, motherfucker. It's a matter of listening to your feet and then attempting to dance. Your voice, if you have one, will follow. Okay. Taming, number two, many. Tightly rolled periodicals, the London Review of Books, for instance, provide encouragement when you fail to convince. Your heart is made of recycled paper, and you lash out with a smack and whack that sounds so much more than simple desire, a cellular need, a magic pharmaceutical injected straight into the skull where chemical beans are forming bands, recruiting bass players, wondering if there's a singer amongst them, summoned with the pipes to reach the last row, those seats where your failures are listening and waiting for you to join them, catcall and whisper, whistle. They alert you to the always. You've been where you're going. Why not talk? Why not faster? Take off your seatbelt, ditch the helmet. Somewhere down the line, you will collide and know it for the last time. Number three, tamed. Things breaking apart. Take a moment to realize the room. It can be any place. Recipes burst from speakers mounted in North Korea. Neo-soul food variations that arrive higher than before. A diet meant for giants watching calories soar beyond reach. 
It's so hot the fruit flies are taking a nap. No naked or don't supercharge. It's not a matter of fuel, but something that always burns. Just the same, don't imagine you're the match. This Syrian kid slipped out of the camp and is cutting the Monasteraki streets just hot to steal a nail and an old Des Moines phone book, preferably 20th century, something with a lot of fucking names, see? He's looking for a new handle that will help him disappear here and reappear there in the American Midwest with a new really cool haircut and a gig as a carpenter's gopher. The possibilities are enrapturing. We match boxes of dust and rosemary arranged on the mantel, precious as the ashes of the latest loved one to perish and just as connected. Where your eyebrows come from. Little bent wires shooting sparks across the room to each other. Messages of longing and hard-earned acceptance light up the atmosphere like the Tesla Museum in Old Belgrade. School children from Novi Sad squeal with delight. A picture of Comrade Tito falls off the wall. Nobody notices. Paradise has been postponed, and the long shadows are getting twisted into melancholy lattice work shaken by wind off the Danube, relentless always to the sea. Animals are sprawled through the house, panting. I wander the yard, asking the vines, bougainvillea, jasmine, wisteria, trumpet. Can you feel your Western brethren burning? Smell their seared flesh in the air, or is it blurred by evia and flames? The botanic world goes first, but everything swiftly follows. Millions, countless millions of life forms perish in an instant. I reach for my sacks, but the reed is dry and brittle. The end of our reign will proceed unaccompanied. Ah, here we go. Taking your lumps. We're all doing that all the time, aren't we? Taking your lumps. Nothing is as it was. The wheel of illusion spins, hurling off shards of stories that ping in the dark, ricochet off tears and fears and shatterproof hearts that are only pretend, capable only of rearing up as a startled horse, cowering as a chastised dog, a reprimanded aristocrat, the way a snake escapes through tall grass. A pinwheel enfilades the terrain with pockmarks of want that fill in the narrative. Take a bump, not blow, but mild collision or the lump after, swell and darken, knocked from the list, left behind on your own, strange tools in hand, tasks a mystery, you are scriptless and curious, memory in reverse like forgetting only faster towards a tabula rasa rent along the bias, flame retardant and plague ready, de-weaponized for your protection. Feeling safe now? What is the lifespan of a predator? Or for that matter, a survivor? All have the lumps, bumps and lumps that misshapen our mediocrity. Only part of the human grotesque and squirming with every change in temperature. Ping goes the hurt. There's no going back, only outwards towards, well, not the same thing, but pretty damn close. Save the end, which you only get to do once, which is freedom from having to do it right. Good, bad, average, by your own hand, trying to save a drowning puppy, robbing an orphanage, either side of a revolution, it doesn't matter. Your death won't have any more meaning than your life did. Relax with that idea. It's called enlightenment. I like uh, working with poetic forms sometimes. It, uh, well, I find it fun, you know, and I mean, my outlook towards poetry is there's only one reason to do it. It amuses you to do it. Although, I mean, you know, let's, <laughs> there's not some great audience out there waiting for us. But uh, so recently I've been reading a, uh, I was looking through Auden, 
W.H. Auden, and I saw this beautiful Villanelle. And I've written a few Villanelles, and I wrote this one, and this one's entitled Alicia's Elbow. Now, uh, Alicia is, it, the poem doesn't really have anything to do with Alicia's Elbow, but she had just fallen, was a, she's an American poet, A.E. Uh, e. Stallings, who lives in Athens, is a friend of mine, and she had fallen and just destroyed her elbow and was getting all this reconstruction surgery in the hospital. So, a Villanelle here. Alicia's Elbow. It's not inspiration that drives the word, but curiosity that pushes the line, the triggered memory, the overheard, goof or prank, the Springfield bird in the jasmine trilling song sublime. It is not inspiration that drives the word, but air and blood, a half note slurred across the bridge in double time, the triggered memory, the overheard. Instinct, hormone, a folly absurd, catches logic out, changes paradigm. It's not inspiration that drives the word. Just a stumble, the clear eye deferred, the shard of glass and gravel shine, the triggered memory, the overheard. She dances, shouts, an archetype hotspur, banging language against the moon's rhyme. It is not inspiration that drives the word, but triggered memory, the overheard. And I'm finishing up with, uh, I think this is the last poem I've written so far in this lifetime. It's entitled Canine Zen Master. I take walks with my dogs, of course. That's what you do with dogs. And I'm surrounded by beautiful rolling hills and mountains. It's as good as you might imagine, actually. Plane trees choked by ivy tower over the shimmering snake of noisy water rustling over rock through the shadows racing towards the sea. The serpent ripples. A leaf bobs and spins round and over rock, submerged and up again, at play in the rush of water and air. Shredded sunlight flares off, bubble and stone. And of course, I am the river, bubble and stone, never same and constant gurgle, always going, going and staying. From behind, and out of sight, Tremula gives my ear a big lick, and instantly I am what I am, an old man on a rock by the river. Yeah, I was happy to be able to record Mark while he was in town, rare visit, here to visit his uh, first grandson, Dre. And uh, hey, remember, I mentioned a little while ago, this is uh, still Kibu Spring Drive. If you already have contributed, thank you. If you haven't, I'm sure you have a good excuse, but, but think about it. Still another week to go, and it's never a wrong time to make a donation. And since Mark and I used to perform together back in the day, uh, I'm going to read you one of my newest poems, Thick with Light. Car behind the ear, road in a finger drip, one with everything, just one apiece. Don't show your hand, compress your neck when the light bulb's an egg. I expected delicious, but almost threw up, except the hands tied inside me at the corner of a traffic circle, inverted leaking bowl, going to make a vacuum-like pause, as my breath doesn't want to be caught. Feral breath. Don't know how I got here, clutching my side like a third story, elevator stopping halfway, an unfamiliar sponginess or the variable gravity, muscles, fibers with differences of opinion or wattage, bipolar biomagnetism. 
repairing a sleeve from the inside, arms and pant legs, 90% of my weight above my waist, streets so bright, signs surging out like visceral slabs. I'm the distance dark goes through, assumed solid until there's no way around. The still point as home approaches and closed doors roll to the underside, notes of positional shades with a more reptilian ear, resonating feathers not all native. The radio's volume dials the accelerator. I steer with my breath, whether through mouth, nose, or ears. Quick construction where my hair was, whether impact or navigation. The curb pulls up to me. How many vertebrae in this medium? Not potholes, but severed nerves anesthetized with the promise of rain. I get paid four gallons an hour, but where do I put it? Navigating inside the mountain, the ocean doesn't want me today. The ticket demands I use it now, because the fan doesn't stop. The indeterminate light, when shadow comes from all direction, mirror hovering wallless, wouldn't bump it if I'd known. This roundhouse slap of sparkling beverage, an edible visor. The shirt won't come off without a rib or two. Fed by stillness, robbed by wind, too certain to balance, cash in on the rise. In the same car, going different places. I shouldn't be here till tomorrow. I'm just borrowing this time zone. All along, telephones have been faulty teleporters. Won't that so bad I could absorb it before dissecting, taking out the sides but leaving the connections, whistling like I had three lips and a split tongue. Among buildings this tall, this close, am I echoing or eavesdropping, sharing half conversations like unnoticed sneezes, too many to swat away, in no mood to sample. Behind, below, the tides behemoth. Plasmic street cape, skin allergic to neon, no light without fumes, agitation, impropriety necessary for variation. Why not a deck with five suits, remote control snaps? Rolling out the turf in the bedroom, the weight of travel and the time it took me to build this car, I could have walked to another country or got an exclusive interview with the king tide. When the moon strikes its own match and sky begins to curl and ash, finally a new chapter confusing calendars with street maps, circle to remember, X marks what we don't want. For every unknown a question, some ends are not beginnings, some means are cruel, sitting down, further down, determined to redefine horizontal, the only parallel are mirrors, aneurysm, trying to find level, caramelized blood, the value of vertigo in zero gravity, with so many possible directions, one of me is never enough, the driver, the shotgun, the squirrel under the hood, tarpaulin sky about to drop and take shape, who the door opens for. And that's me. And now we have Mike G. Not just a poet, but a performer, a philosopher, a local legend, a don't put no labels on me kind of guy. Mike G. bursts fist first from his Michigan womb, bellowing his truth. What is his truth? The serious play of his imagination as it encounters mood and circumstance. He's currently one of the hosts of the monthly open mic, Last Stand at the Wildwood Saloon. And here he is on the boo. Yeah, just, just apocalyptic hodgepodge. Rest in peace, my poor foreskin languishing in its tiny 1967 casket. Cut off too soon, age seven days. You, dear poor foreskin, are in heaven now. I'm coming to join you soon. Just don't tell me to go into the light. I don't trust that afterlife trick bullshit and what's the rush. Let's hang out in the void and finally get to know each other. Source and foreskin reunited, not reincarnated. And it feels so good. Hashtag last timer. My friends, may we stay kind on our quest for lies and reality. Just follow the puddle's curve. Hang a left at the cheeseburger wrapper and there you'll find me haunted by your Facebook memories. I won't be running away to join the circus or Hell's Angels. You do it, 
and text me your triumph. So many petty tyrants in clown uniforms, she says. Then she summed up 2020 by saying this, two scoops of horseshit on a Twilight Zone cone. 1972, our first color TV. Grandma said, don't sit too close. The radiation will melt your eyes, boy. So I became a poet. While carrying two six-packs of PBR tall boys home, some bum shouted, Hey, spare one? Yum, yum. Yum, yum. They're for my pregnant wife, asshole. That shut him up. I could have told you that enlightenment is lonely, dumbass, the ten-year-old said. My brain has changed because of what has happened to it. Suffering happened to it, and the conscious response to suffering happened to it. And both suffering and response became linked in the brain. What was the conscious response to suffering? That the only thing to make it bearable was to become greater. In every way, a human can become greater. That's neuroplasticity, baby. A little girl says to her mother at Earth Day protest, If Earth is doomed, why did you make me? For company, the mother said. Patron, we're late because those idiots with their I heart biology signs think the Earth's more important than I-5. I like people because they give me material. I don't want a crooked skeleton entering the crematorium, so I've decided to finally stand up straight. Had a vision I was performing as an old man, and those who remembered me in my glory were crying because my voice had lost its resonance, and I was feeble and trembling and no longer G. I heard the anguished whispers through their tears, He's no longer G. He's no longer G. Oh my God, God, he's no longer G. As I rasped and wheezed about the ocean lapping upon my boyhood feet. When you want to sneak in, just wear black and say I'm staff. Things I'm capable of doing. One, buying cigarettes. Two, taking a piss in the wilderness like Moses. Today, I celebrate our salvaged life situations. Isn't that nice? Salvaged life situations. Overheard at bus stop, the only meat the priest will eat on Sunday is none. What if you're tortured, she says. Before I lose my mind from pain, I'll say, thank you, God, for this great experience of being. What if Nancy Pelosi or Joanne Hardesty wants to make out with you before you die? Not the chicks I'd choose, I'd say, but nevertheless, thank you, God. I used to think that peeling tomatoes was tedious, but now I know it's an act of love, she says. Night, car sounds, princess in Brenda's arms, mighty in this life, I reflect all. Back tension, intention, glory. Awoke from a dream in which I'd fathered a bevy of little Mike G's, dancing ecstatically with little goatees, disproportionately girthful genitals flopping in the humid breeze, all chain-smoking and bellowing strange proclamations. Ah, what a world it would be. Mike G's transition to a more normative muse represented a backing away from the abyss, a greater identification with the Apollonian over the Dionysian, a yes to longevity over implosion. He started eating well and surrounded himself with mentally well geniuses. Hell had exhausted him, but the lessons served him well. He stopped chasing the young and the crazy. Near the end, he knew the joy of waking to a kind, wrinkled face. My design upon the audience is simply to give an experience of my consciousness 
framed by the poem's finite horizons. Buddhist husband, I'm gonna be reincarnated someday. Materialist wife, no, you're not. They built a small god that slurred scriptural drivel like a drunk parrot. After midnight, there's much to consider. Legislative medicine and stars, what it's like to know in your guts you'll stay with someone as they die, saying goodbye to the body crumbling, the, necess the necessary clown show of work, the irony of coffin nails saving the day, how everything can hinge on a cloud or a sun, what passes and what stays as we age, the hidden bouquet the dead left we suddenly find in childhood's toy box. Now I lay me down to sleep, pluck what you need from the language field and leave the babbling pain that doesn't help, the tenderness of kissing toes that aren't your own. Sometimes I feel like an old tired toilet. It's okay, flush, flush, morning coffee, recycle. When I bite it, Write my kingdom of heaven bio without irony since I suffered an age that didn't get it. The grave has been salted, no flowers allowed. Amid dulcified flames with howling friends will discern that when Jesus appears explaining that passage from Ezra, it's just the pineal gland playing its dream games and don't play no new agey soundscapes at my funeral because I'll barf and live again and be a problem. May we heap mercy upon the sleeping, she says. Were we not once asleep, beautiful, snoozing, pre-booze, pre-truth, nearing 55, I'm no longer pretty, she says. I'm beautiful, my mind, my mind, scattered, wide, as good, a god, as any. 2020 was interesting. Somewhere in there, my mom died unconditional imagination canceled. Meanwhile, I want to be composted when I'm dead. Just stab a freak flag into the fermenting heap of me and recite one of my poems to satisfy the mourner's need for ritual, closure, then kick back, relax, dance, clap your ass off when my flowers grow. In this uncertain world, I'd like to thank Pepsi for poisoning this and every generation. The negative thinkers spin in circles of dread again, the 10-year-old says. Welcome to the betrayal of the intellectuals, spouting opinions on topics they know nothing about, passing themselves off as wise, self-proclaimed defenders of language taking no responsibility for the pervasive nihilism afflicting everyone, we who come from the philosophical tradition of meaninglessness should be the first to take responsibility for the 21st century catastrophe. We who could have celebrated the best in the species chose the easy, non-thinking divide. Nobility of spirit remains quiet when it should be singing. Meanwhile, isn't the bullshit manipulation of food and gas prices impressive and the Ukraine-Russia World War III folly and science changing her mind more often than my wife? Don't take reality seriously. It's a clown, clown world. I seek a psalm that speaks to the 21st century heart a wild, contained, lyrical arrangement with guts and teeth, the rock that marries the stream, wisdom in the cloud that never evaporates, something solid yet electric, a cosmic psalm I can sing and believe in. Side effects of loving the system may include sudden infatuation with robots concomitant with evaporation of poetic gift. I finally learned that those who love us don't need us to stay alive. They'll grieve 
for a time, then be just fine. Petra, an aftermath of Matrix, ever spirit, present World War Z jamboree, America the tragedy emptying our wallets as doves flock to fuck the rock clefts, our crumbling symbolic place of safety. Out there in the wilderness of starvation, there is a spirit world which also lets us down, waving to the golden age as death ferries us along the silly, cartoonish, winnowing river of myth like a two-bit ridiculous acid trip. I want my money back. I want my money. Here, the stags erect. There, the weeping girl. North, the hinterland of this apocalypse. South, the heated vent of mother's mistake. East is the mantra that uses the humans. West is the hammer of capital nightmare. It's midnight somewhere with visibly tanked clergy knocking back communion kegs reserved for the world's last innocent 12-year-olds enthroned and crowned as the asteroid hurries down without a heart. And non-poets don't get to decide what's poetic. I'm so sick of non-poet privilege. Patron says, there's a reptilian inside you. That's neither here nor there, madam, I say. You need to stop taking video, now, as my tongue winds around her smartphone and I swallow it. I took notes about the incident in case she complains. Remember, friends, when I touch my nose, it signifies there's a lot more I could say. It's not my job as a poet to concern myself with whether the universe is real or simulated or both or neither. But that is my job as a philosopher. The fun for me is in mixing the jobs to such a degree that I forget which is which. I like to confuse the multitudes within, the I am with the wanna bet, the ha ha here we go again verities, follies, hide and seekities. Meanwhile, if I die in my own feces, please mark the event with literature that's worthy. I'm very tired. I ask why I'm here. I write a line to get me there. All I can do. I want the next poem to write itself without me, to be performed while I'm asleep. Hey, Harry the Cat, Daddy give you food? M-O-O-N, that spells daddy. I'm more scared of the hospitals than the virus. You believe what you want to believe. When we laugh together, slam a whiskey, love what we believe never comes up. We enjoyed the 18-month lockdown by telling the young bedtime stories of what freedom was. Trump and Jojo Magoo gave us free money to do just that in between watching Gilligan's Island reruns. Hashtag lockdown money. April 27, 2021. President Jojo Magoo says the fully vaxxed can jack off again. A little known yet happy side effect, which I have trademarked Moderna cock, blesses one with a rectile frequency of a 12 year old. I like Moderna cock. My wife likes Moderna cock. God bless the sex vax. Finally, dementia took my friend Dennis away. I miss him terribly, but as Dennis would say, life goes on and on and on. And so do I. It's like what the old man gripping a bottle of pickles said. I don't care about vagina. I'm too old to care about vagina. He punched his crotch. Walmart security took him away. So much for the grace of aging. After writing every day since 1990, may the final poem be simple. Just a boy dipping a toe in the ocean or skipping a stone alone with consciousness for company as I did in the beginning. Thank you for listening.
Thanks to Mike G., Mark Sargent, Emmett Wheatfall. Thanks to all of you who have been listening and contributed some funds to KABU. Thanks to Talking Earth founders Walt Curse and Barbara Lamorticella and Premier Engineer Patrick Bocard. Have a good night. Have poetry. Give money to KABU. Thanks. Are you a fan of early rock and roll, doo-wop, rhythm and blues, and 70s rock? If so, The Roots of Rock and Roll is the show for you, and KBOO Portland is the place to be Friday afternoons at 3. Dale Farr will give you a history lesson from the birth of rock and roll through the 50s and 60s, and Ray Bodwell will mine the 60s and 70s for the deep cuts, hidden gems,